This podcast is brought to you by the World Apostolate to Fatima USA, a public association of the faithful devoted to spreading the authentic message of Fatima. Here now is an interview with Barb Ernster on Real Presence Radio Network. Uh, we are coming to you live on Real Presence Live. This is Michael Wild. And I'm Father Will Thompson. And here at St. James, I think we've seen about 85% of Father Will Thompson's staff. I was just <laughs> chuckling as we came back from break. Um, most of his staff has been in this morning here uh, to St. James Coffee. I'm sure, yeah. they're, I'm sure they're all working. If you're, if you're in the area, too, we'll be here for another half hour. Um, and uh, I, I'm sure they're working. They're, oh, yeah. They, they work when they're here, too, uh, as well. Uh, well, hey, I'm, I'm hanging out here. So I, I haven't got anything I can complain about. That's right. Um, but uh, wonderful conversations that we've been having, and uh, we are grateful to continue on with those wonderful conversations. We're joined, actually, by a member of the Army. Well, the Blue Army. <laughs> um, good morning. Uh, we have Barb Erm- Ernster with us. Good morning, Barb. Good morning. I and wish I could be there at St. James Coffee Shop. I wrote about it years ago. Yeah, you had told me that when we were getting ready for this interview. You actually yeah. used to write for the National Catholic Register. Is that correct? Yes. Oh, we have, we, there's a copy of your uh, of your uh, uh, writing on the back wall here. Oh, yeah. there <laughs> I am. That, that little writing was preparing me for my current position. So. <laughs> there we go. And so, Barb, can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, people may have heard the, the, the title the Blue Army before, um, but you've had pretty uh, quite the extensive career in, in our Catholic faith. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the Blue Army and, and maybe kind of a little bit about yourself and your current position? Well, I feel like everything I did in my past really prepared me for this position. Um, I did, I was about a regular contributor to the National Catholic Register for about 20 years, and through that position I had the opportunity to interview so many different people, um, theologians and bishops and, and clerics and, and people who just ordinary people who had extraordinary stories. And it, it really did prepare me for this position with the Blue Army, where I was. I started out as the editor of their magazine, Soul Magazine, and the story was perfect to, you know, to work on the story of Fatima, because it's ordinary children with an extraordinary story. So what we're doing right now with the Blue Army, it's, used, it's called the World Apostle of Fatima now, and the Blue Army was formed in 1947 by two very charismatic leaders, John Haffert and Monsignor uh, Harold Colgan, and they wanted to form a blue army of people who would pray and do penance to fight the Red Army of Communism. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what we're doing right now is taking this 70, 70-year-old organization and bringing it into the new digital media so that this story can remain relevant to the next generation. Wonderful, and, and that's very good work that you're doing there. And so the World Apostolate um, for Fatima is, is the name of your group, and uh, Blue Army was the former moniker under which it operated, correct? Is that the right correct. way to describe it? Okay. Yes, and, and, we, and we, we retain the moniker Our Lady's Blue Army because it helps us to you know, give historical context for who we are. And the World Apostolate of Fatima had to change the name in 2005 when it was raised to a public association. 
there were some mm. member countries who didn't want to use the word army, and so sure. through John Paul II, we came up with the World Apostle of Fatima. So our organization is the World Apostle of Fatima USA, and Our Lady's Blue Army is our tagline. And and we've heard a lot lately, uh, especially with the hundred-year celebration of of our, the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima. Um, but aside from the apparitions themselves and the devotions that come uh, associated with that, um, you're really hoping to share a little bit with us more about Mary's message and invitation. So what is that invitation of Mary that came to us from Fatima? Well, you know, Our Lady always comes for a particular reason, and she started appearing more frequently on Earth, I would say, with the start of um, the Miraculous Medal with uh, Rue de Bac, uh, St. Catherine Labore. And then she came to Fatima during a time when atheistic communism was really on the rise, and Freemasonry had been having a great impact on religion. Portugal at the time was experiencing, uh, you know, lots of religious persecution. And so I think she comes at a time and a place to help for particular uh, events that are happening in the world. But her message is always the same. And I, I love what happened in the second apparition. Lucia, who was already suffering so much because people were teasing her about the apparitions, when Our Lady said to her, are you suffering a lot? Do not be afraid. I will never abandon you. My Immaculate Heart will be your refuge and the way that will lead you to God. And Lucia always says the message of Fatima is for everyone, and it's an invitation to follow this sure path to heaven, which is through the safety and protection of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And so um, what Our Lady is trying to do, she's inviting us deeper into her heart. And one thing that I find very interesting, Lucia, when our founder, John Haffert, went to visit with her in 1946, he wanted to find out exactly what it was that Our Lady wanted of the lay people, because World War II had happened, Europe was devastated, communism was on the rise, and so obviously people weren't hearing what Our Lady had asked. And he said to her, so the most essential part was the rosary. And she said, no, the most essential invitation was from the very first apparition on May 13th when Our Lady said, are you willing to offer yourselves to God and bear all the sufferings he wills to send you as an act of reparation for the sins by which he is offended? And so this was a, uh, she was asking us to participate in God's plan of salvation for the sake of conversions and salvation of souls. So we're, by our baptismal uh, promise, we are, we are asked as baptized Christians to participate in this and to enter into the spiritual battle that is always going on for souls. And so that was basically what Our Lady was asking, and she prepared a, uh, she gave these four, three or four things that she asked us to do that would honor her Immaculate Heart and that would help save souls. And so the, the, the one was to offer up your daily offering, to, to accept what God wills for your life and to be obedient to that will and to accept, you know, not to be complaining about our things that happen, but to accept them as God's will. And then the second one was the rosary. And Lucia said the daily rosary would help, would help us in that first, to help us accomplish that first request. Mm -hmm. And those other two, uh, <laughs> you gave us half the list, Barb. We, 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 
hear the other, the other two aspects that she she asked of us. Well, the other two were, um, she later asked for the practice of the first Saturday devotion, which was requested of us to help with the conversion of Russia. And then the fourth one, Lucia said, was to wear the brown scapular as a sign of that consecration to Our Lady. And that came from the final apparition on October 13th, when Our Lady appeared as Our Lady of Mount Karma with a scapular. So Lucia always felt that that was to be the sign of our consecration to this wonderful mother who is the woman clothed with the sun in the Revelation 12. So those are the four things. Sure. Uh, God bless you, whoever that was that just sneezed here at St. James Coffee. Uh, and we are coming to you live from St. James Coffee. We're speaking with um, uh, Barb Ernster, and we are so uh, grateful for uh, the, the, the work that you do um, with the Our Lady's Apostolate um, uh, uh, Fatima. Excuse me, the World Apostolate of Fatima. And uh, um, you, we know that Lucia lived the longest of the children who, uh, to whom Mary had appeared. And understanding that, um, there's a cause for Lucia's canonization at this time. Um, and right. you shared with us leading up to this conversation that uh, one of the timing issues has been that her writings need to be reviewed. Um, what's the significance of, I mean, many, many future saints or current saints have had writings that were reviewed. What's the difference with Lucia as opposed to someone like Faustina or other saints? Well, St. Faustina, as you know, her writings were, um, there were some misinterpretations, there were misinterpretations, and I I believe they weren't um, transcribed properly. Mm -hmm. And so it was John Paul II who helped move that forward. Lucia, they had to go through 60,000 documents of her writing, and the Diocese of Fatima, they had to look through all of this, and I know that the diocesan inquiry is now completed, and it is at the Vatican, Hmm. but it just takes so long to delve into all these letters that she wrote, her book that she wrote calls from the message of Fatima. I mean, she wrote to numerous bishops and the popes and people from all over the world corresponded with her. And so 60,000 documents is a lot to go through. They had, you know, as any cause for a saint, they have to examine their life and look for virtue first. And, and Lucia's life was actually quite mundane. I mean, she her sainthood is going to be found in how she just so obediently lived that very first request that Our Lady had, where she was obedient to everything that happened in her life and, and lived out exactly what God wanted for her. And she called it the long, slow martyrdom of daily living, which most of us are called to. Hmm. And right now I will say that um, what's going to be coming out of Fatima, as far as the theologians who study the message, is examining Lucia's writings. And so she's going to become a very important figure going forward. The other thing they did is they re-translated uh, all of her works, her memoirs, from the original Portuguese, because some of these translations weren't done properly. They were in a hurry to get the message out. And there's certain words that were used that weren't translated properly, and it can change the meaning. So they now have a properly translated version of her memoirs, and they actually went back to the language that she spoke within her very region. And, that, and th- those words are a little different even than some of how the Portuguese spoke. And so from there, they're going to retranslate her works in all of the different languages, and then they're going to be studying her writings. And I do believe Lucia's life, when, it, when you examine it, she lived such a virtuous 
life and, and so totally trusting of the Heavenly Mother and, and, and Jesus. And her life really parallels St. Faustina's. Hmm. But it's going to take a while because of all the documents that she wrote. Yeah, yeah. Barb, you talk about all, the, all this that's coming out from, from Lucia, uh, from her life, her experience. Um, and yet, you know, the apparitions took place uh, just over 100 years ago. Uh, you know, there are so many things that took place 100 years ago that we just don't really worry about anymore. We don't pay attention to. We don't remember. Mm-hmm. What is there that we can still gain from the apparitions today? Uh, you know, Lucia certainly gained so much. What is it that we can gain from Mary's appearances? Well, I mean, people get caught up in the prophecies of Fatima, which, of course, happened for that particular time and place in history, and we're still being impacted by the spread of Russia's errors and our atheistic communism that has entrenched in our culture, really. And so we have to go back to what it was Our Lady asked us. I mean, in order to conquer this evil, she asked us to offer up our daily sacrifices, to make a morning offering. And then she taught the children this beautiful prayer to say throughout the day, whenever you have a sacrifice you want to offer, you say, oh my Jesus, it is for love of you, for the conversion of sinners, and in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart. And that prayer, Lucia said, all day long, every time, any little thing that happened to her, a simple little humiliation that might have happened by being misunderstood by her mother superior. So when you, you know, I was really attracted to the Fatima message by Francisco and Jacinta, the two beautiful saints that we have, because they were so young and innocent. I didn't really understand the, the message of Fatima until I edited the biography of Sister Lucia, her life. And all of her writings are, um, her private diary was found after she died. And all of her writings are now published in that book. It's called A Pathway Under the Gaze of Mary. And I kind of just ignored Lucia because she was the older one. And, you know, she wasn't a really uh, necessarily a, um, a cute child, I would say. You know, Jacinta was so cute and Francisco. But when I read her biography and understood all the suffering she had to deal with that were so little and mundane that nobody would know but her. That's when I started understanding the message of Fatima and how this is what changes the world when we're obedient to God's commands, when we're offering up everything as a sacrifice to him. Mary takes those offerings and, and the graces get distributed so that other people can be converted and people can be saved. And that's the whole mission of our apostolate is to be a people of prayer and penance so that sinners will convert and souls will be saved. And when sinners convert, we live in times of peace. So that's mm-hmm. pretty much why this is so important today. Mm-hmm. And you're, <clears throat> excuse me, you're going to be speaking about um, how people can can sanctify their daily lives and their daily tasks yeah. um, at, coming up at a women's conference here in Winona, in the Diocese of Winona, Rochester. Mm-hmm. That event will actually be in Owatonna on October 13th, and folks can sign up for that um, using the diocesan webpage. I'm sure there's some information mm-hmm. there about that event. Um, in fact, that is where the registration is, so you can just go to DOW.org and sign up for it. But um, tell us a little bit about what you'll be talking about there, um, Barb, and, and how you'll be encouraging people to look to Mary and how to sanctify their daily tasks. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I'm going to be delving into Lucia's life a lot and showing by her example what it means to sanctify your daily duty. And it's really a path to making everything about your day holy. I mean, we we look at the saints and you can read about their lives after they're over and you see the 
wonderful things they accomplished, but really Lucia's life is such an examination of what it's like to live the daily mundane life where, you know, there were extraordinary things that happened in her life, but for much of her life she was, you know, having to pray through what was God's will, um, having periods of darkness where she didn't know, she didn't know and feel God. And we all experience these things. But I'll give you an example of how we sanctify our daily life. One time I was out walking with my husband of 25 years, and he happened to be complaining a lot about things going on with his work, and I'd heard these things before. And then he said, well, what are you thinking? What's, on, what's going on in your mind? And I said, well, I'm offering up my sufferings of having to listen to you complain again. <laughs> so it's those little things we can do to bear patiently with the things that happen in our lives. That's how we sanctify our lives. And that's how most of the saints did it. And so Our Lady gives us this prescription with this overarching mission to be devoted to her Immaculate Heart because she's going to show us how we live within her heart and thereby serve her son in a most pure and virtuous manner. And that's certainly a message that we all need to hear. We want to thank you, Barb, for joining us here today on Real Presence Live. We appreciate your, uh, your presence with us. Well, thank you for having me, and I hope to see everybody at the conference on October 13th, which is the anniversary of Fatima's final apparition and the miracle of the sun. So. You can find it at DOW.org.